All right, Crucial Conversations, Talking When the Stakes Are High. Absolutely incredible book. This is going to be a lot of the things as far as perceptual tools, things you can use when the stakes are high in any discussion. So build in cues to remind yourself to use new skills Create helpful cues. So this is very important. These are three things you can remember. So mark hot spots, set aside time, and read reactions. We're going to go into each of these in a little bit of depth, but just remember, mark the hot spots, set aside a time, read reactions, MSR. So mark hot spots. People who go through stress reduction training learn to mark physical items that are closely linked to their sources of tension. People who freak out in traffic put a small red circle on their steering wheel. Individuals who are constantly in a rush put one on their watch. When it comes to the tough conversations you face, you might want to make use of small visual cues as well. Place one on the computer that spits out results that drives you nuts. Build a cue into your copy of the agenda of any meeting that typically serves up tough setting problems. So the whole point of these is to remind yourself to use these new skills. And marking the hotspots is actually pretty important. You know, this is kind of mentally doing that. They gave those examples of physically doing it, but you can you can do this in a lot of ways as far as mentally goes. Just remember that tool, mark hotspots. Set aside time is the next tool. Perhaps the best way to remind yourself to use your new skills is to set aside time each day to walk around in search of both successes and problems. When you see a success, celebrate. When you encounter a problem, bring your best dialogue tools into play. Read reactions. If you're not going to do a good job of holding crucial conversations, the results are going to be right in front of you. If you see that you're getting off track, back up and start over. Use real-life cues, for example, the other person's jaw tenses, he or she clams up, to remind yourself that maybe it's time to try a new tactic. If necessary, just apologize. Move to an earlier place in the discussion and follow the process. Very important. So, read reactions, set aside time, and mark hotspots. These are things you can use. And, you know, so a digital assist, you know, we've tried to... In, the, in this book, The Crucial Conversations, they talk about, you know, um, things as far as social interactions, um, the digital tools you can use to enhance your learning experience. And they tell you, you know, you can use their website. There's a lot of different things you can use as far as this. But, um, you know, Carrie Patterson, Joseph Green and Ron McMillan wrote this book. And it's, it's actually really interesting. I didn't think I would like it. I've read a ton of books on, you know, persuasion, sales, things of this nature to use in business and really in all areas of life because they truly apply anywhere. You know, every day you're persuading basically constantly. You're, you persuade yourself, you persuade others, you know, even in little things, little things and large things. So if you can, if you can build these fundamental tools, even just step by step getting ahead, not necessarily in fast spurts, as Warren Buffett says, build these tools step by step. So if you remember those three, we just went over, you know, and if you don't just rewind it and, and remember those couple things, pick up this book, absolutely incredible tips. I also like the book Verbal Judo, The Gentle Art of Persuasion, which goes over a lot of things as far as uh, how martial arts kind of relates to persuasion. And, you know, his main thing, he's an ex-police officer and martial arts master is 
he says, you know, a cocked tongue is more important than a cocked gun. So his whole idea is being able to take the self, like your ego, out of any argument and realize that the other person is very emotionally charged, especially if it's, you know, yelling, high stakes, things like this. And being able to take yourself out of the situation, kind of almost look at it from a bird's eye view, which is a huge, very, very important skill that basically nobody has. A lot of people fall victim to things getting emotionally charged. And uh, anyways, doing that, being able to just listen. So conceptual tools, watch to give you live action views of skills we cover. We've added video examples on our website. So if you want to check those out, you can go to crucialconversations.com. And listen, you know, these are, again, they're talking about their CDs, kind of audiobooks they put out, you know, more, more, move your knowledge from abstract to concrete as you hear how the theories translate into words and the words build into usable script. Behavioral tools, you know, if you'd like to practice specific skills with the aid of a role play tool, you can go to the website and use some of the uh, role play rehearsals. Even though that sounds kind of cheesy, it's very, very important to do this with just repetition. So I was a big fan of this book. You know, they did kind of lay out the, um, the basic uh, methods of holding a crucial conversation. I really enjoyed it. You know, they talk about, um, you know, turning the ideas that they kind of lay out into just straight up habits. And... Really what it comes down to is identifying these danger patterns and things that come up and, uh, you know, come to a consensus about what will happen and document who does what by when settle on the way to follow up. This is when, you know, you create a definite definitive plan for for caring about crucial conversations. And this is kind of the uh, section where he says explore others paths. So. Since part of your objective is to maintain a good relationship with your sister, and this is just an example they're using, use the AMPP skills to actively um, explore her views. And I'll go over the AMPP skills here in a second. It's basically ask, mirror, these kind of tips they use. So AMPP is basically just ask, mirror, prime, and paraphrase. Paraphrase is very important. They talk about this in verbal judo as well, where basically... You know, the best way if someone's ranting and just kind of very, very hot-headed, kind of getting angry at you, is just go, wait a second, can I make sure I'm here, I heard you correctly? And then basically paraphrase what they said back to them. Because a lot of the times people don't even realize what's coming out of their mouth, especially when they're in such an emotionally charged state. So basically before you want to use this AMPP thing, you want to kind of identify things. So identify and then kind of state your past. So if you can tell someone's voice is tense and their tone of one is, you know, giving in, it's not of true agreement. So use these AMPP skills to actually explore views. So this is kind of an example. So the way you say that, you know, if they said something to you, um, the way you say that, it sounds like maybe that suggest- suggestion isn't okay with you, is mirroring. Is there something I'm missing? Ask. And then, you know, if the person you're, this is just an example to sister, so just go with it. So sister, no, if you feel like you deserve it more than I do, you're probably right. You would respond, do you think I'm being unfair that I'm not acknowledging your contributions? That's priming them to kind of explain and, and flesh out the thoughts in their head. You know, sister would respond with something of, 
you know, just reasons why she thinks the way she does. And then you would say, so you feel, and this is paraphrasing, so you feel you were doing everything you could to help out and are surprised that I feel like I should be compensated. This is just paraphrasing back. Sister would say, well, yes. So that's kind of exploring others' paths. Um, you know, interesting book. They talk about um, the dialogue model. I'll go over this. So in the middle is kind of like a circle. So you can think of it as an archery um bullseye target or dartboard you know in the very center of the of the board is dialogue which is the pooled of shared meaning so it's important that you both have meaning and understanding of this current situation and it's shared it's not just one person's opinion outside of that it's safety outside of that it's withdrawing avoiding masking and then outside of that it's silence so you want to close the gap, get to that center with the shared pool of meaning, which dialogue, you know, I've had troubles with doing this in the past. If I got frustrated, I just wouldn't say anything, especially like in a group conversation where I felt like, uh, like it was pointless or what we we're talking about was frivolous. I just would route to not saying anything because I always think the people that spew their opinion are just very, you know, the smartest people in the world say that the only thing that they know is they don't know anything. So when the smartest people in the world say that, the people that are just spewing and talking out their ass usually aren't that intelligent or don't know what they're talking about. So I always kind of resulted to silence. But after reading this book, I kind of understand that going for this pool of shared meanings is actually very, very important, especially in crucial conversations. So this is, you know, the, the dialogue uh, um, model is basically like you and the other person sharing that um the pool of shared meaning. And it's very important to understand this. I I really enjoyed that um, model. And you can think about that. Um, you know, this is, I'll kind of end it with this. So these are four important questions that they kind of lay out. When choosing among the four methods of decision-making, consider the following questions. And I'll go over the questions and then we'll kind of go a bit more in depth and then we'll wrap this up. And again, this is the book, Crucial Conversations, Tools for Talking, The Stakes Are High. And it's actually a foreword by Stephen R. Covey. So who cares? And these are, remember, these are four methods of decision making. These are uh, questions to answer. So who cares? Determine who genuinely wants to be involved in the decision along with those who will be affected. These are your candidates for involvement. Don't involve people who don't care. Very important. We were just talking about this. In that example that I gave, I didn't care. So, you know, if you're in a big group setting or in a meeting and you have to get to a crucial, you're having a crucial conversation to get to a crucial decision, it's important to recognize who the decision makers are. Who are the people that actually care about what's going on? Who are the people that have stakes in the thing? A lot of the times, you know, if you're working in a big company, an employee and you're, you have an employee that's involved in one of these decisions, as Charlie Munger says, you have to be aware of perverse incentives. So if someone's being paid by the hour and it doesn't matter whether or not the um, crucial conversation is is the best, really the best outcome, they they don't have any stake in it. Basically, they don't have any incentive. They don't have any incentives for getting this crucial decision to the best point. They're really only incentivized by their time. So they're really probably just going to waste time. And, um, you know, this is a great show to watch. That's kind of a funny example of this is the office. Like none of them are actually incentivized to, um, especially the secretaries and people that aren't commission based are not incentivized to uh, make sales. Whereas like Dwight 
and some of the salespeople are actually incentivized. So they will, they kind of kick into gear and make their own um, organization systems. Whereas the other people, they're paid by the hour. And obviously the fictional show, but this is a little example of it. Since they're paid by the hour, they're not incentivized to, um, basically they don't care. And all those meetings where Michael brings people in and uh, kind of lectures them, they don't care about it. So, so they're not incentivized. So again, who cares? Determine who genuinely wants to be involved in the decision along with all those who will be affected. These are the candidates for involvement. Don't involve people who don't care. Secondly, who knows? Identify who has expertise. You need to make the best decision. Encourage these people to take part. Try not to involve people who contribute to new inform- no new information. Who must agree? Think of those whose cooperation you need in the form of authority or influence in any decision you might make. It's better to involve these people than to surprise and then suffer. Their open resistance. So who must agree? That's actually a very important one. And then lastly, how many people is it worth involving? Your good, your goal should be involved to involve the fewest number of people while still considering the quality of the decision along with the support that people will give. Ask yourself, do we have enough people to make a good choice? Will others have to be involved in the commitment? Will others have to be involved to gain their commitment? Very important to do this. You know, the basics of um, coming to a consensus kind of go from the, uh, the four methods of decision making, which are command, consult, vote, and consensus. So I really, I believe, and I think most people um, that kind of are for democracy, um, and having a republic, kind of finding a synthesis between those two is, you know, coming to a consensus. This is how things are voted. This is how the court of laws are set up in the United States. Consensus is very important, you know, in in places where there's just one kind of uh, ruling dictator, that's where there's the commanding. And, and although there is a time and place for commanding, it's not black and white, it's better to actually come to a consensus. And we, we learned this in this book, um, you know, Crucial Conversations, also in Verbal Judo. There's a bunch of other great books that I really like about persuasion and things of this nature. But the most important thing is people need to feel like they're on the same team. So if you can make the other person feel like you're on the same side as them, that's really how you can win a crucial conversation. Whereas if the other person feels like you're there in an argument against you, which way too many times people do, whereas, you know, if two people have differing opinions, why does there need to be an argument? It should really just be a shared ideas, um, you know, a culmination of shared ideas versus people just arguing and spouting off. We see this too much in politics today, whereas, you know, if people could realize we're, we're on the same team, we're all fighting for America, things would be a lot better. So... If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review and subscribe. Don't forget to pick up this book, Crucial Conversations. Really, really important. And till next time.